I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are bringing treats and tricks for season six of The Connor, Connor and Smith, Smith Show. All right, uh, today we're going to be tackling a film uh, from 1982, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. This was a remake of a classic 50s atomic age film. The Thing from Another World. Uh, One of my favorites. Um, So we're going to do that. Uh, Thank you for joining us. If you have not seen we do have a patreon page and we thank all of our supporters who have already joined it uh there is much more for you to discover about us through the patreon page the link is in the description we thank you for checking it out and supporting us if you can um we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back in 1985 tyler was meeting justin at their favorite arcade long shot Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so we are looking at John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Now, full disclosure. Who's John Carpenter? Ugh, leave this house. John Carpenter did is... Did he sing with Carpenters? No. Full disclosure, Matt did not get to watch this film. Ryan and I watched it. I don't think he could have watched it, maybe, because of the dog stuff. Yeah, um, it, which is hard to watch. We'll get into that. But, Matt, if you off the top of your head were to tell us what the thing's about what is the thing about um the thing is so undescribable (laughs) because you know it's happening and you know it's out there but you can't quite put your finger on it and so the plot which i think is amazing in this film because it takes place in a very remote part of the world but it also is sort of placed in a remote part of your mind <laughs> and they come together trying to find each other wow yeah wow. okay I mean, I mean i i could i could probably argue for that uh explanation of the plot and matt feel free even though you didn't see the film to toss in thoughts well i will also say that the thing sometimes to me is that box that comes the next morning from amazon and you think oh my god what what, what did i what did i buy right and you're like, oh my gosh, it's got to be... It's the thing. It's the thing. I bought, I'm, I bought something. Yeah. Here's the thing. So this is my history with the thing, yeah. Stephen. Yeah. I didn't come to it until later in life because okay. I was a huge like pop culture fiend as far as like watching popcorn films such as Steven Spielberg's E.T., uh-huh. which overshadowed... The thing. the thing, and it, it you know didn't get a good critical rev- uh, you know it had bad critical uh, <coughs> reviews as well as not making a lot of money. It's shocking. It's shocking. But I didn't come to it until I was in college. Yeah, I didn't see it till I was in college. I will say ditto. And I fell in love with it. Yeah, um, it's one of my favorite John Carpenter films of all time. It always makes me question 
everything. And I've seen it a million times, and I never remember exactly. We talked through the whole thing in the beginning. Trying like, to identify. Wait, like, wait, wait. Who, who who's is the infected? Thing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because you never really remember everything specifically, I guess. And there's a lot of great misdirection. A lot of great misdirection. But anyway, um, that's my. What's your history with the thing? Same as you. I didn't see it till college. This is not a movie that they play on TV. Um, it's too graphic, unless it's, you know, like an HBO or something like that. So, a lot of those films that were not available through cable access, um, I discovered in college renting videos um, a lot of my favorite films I never saw until I was college age. This always felt like almost what they term like a video nasty, because you saw the grotesque photos maybe on the back of the box of like the monster one of the various forms of the monster and it always felt dirty because the special effects looked so disgustingly real that it you almost get a a dirty feeling watching it um at least that was my take when i was 20 something now i look at it as art and as masterfully thought out art uh, I can't imagine somebody's brain coming up with the series of things I kept saying that every time a new Rob Botton creation was on Rob Botton was the uh, the um, visual effects visual effects yeah, supervisor right. effect. and I was like where what do you have to be on what do you have to be thinking to have this come out of your mind it's like a H.R. Uh, Geiger or uh, a Dolly kind of like where is Salvador your Dali? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and you're like, where? And just to let you know, my history with with horror films, which is all very weird. I don't know if I told, said this last time when we were talking about Psycho or something I don't that know. other season, but I didn't watch horror films. Horror films to me were never my thing. Um, I maybe saw like one or two, but maybe like The Exorcist. Maybe I think when I was younger. Okay. So I didn't come to horror films until much later in life. Interesting. Um, so like I don't know if you did say that. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, so like being in college and like meeting you mm -hmm. and meeting other people that had interests and in things that I didn't. I was into science fiction, but I wasn't really into horror. And I don't remember who showed me this film, but it was like it was all about the acting. It was about, you know, this is a and, and the screenplay of like how you're constantly questioning what direction it's going to be going and the scene with the blood and testing who the thing is is like one of the best scenes. the best scenes in film history in my opinion agreed and seeing it just going oh my god who is the thing and you just don't know and then how do they get the fucking hand to come out of the petri dish he's holding it in his hand i know and i kept thinking is it a reverse camera effect or is it a, but i can't um, Oh, yeah, I guess it could be. Or maybe reversed. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, like you just said. Yeah. Maybe. Um, this is one of the, the the biggest pieces of cinematic wizardry of, of effects that I can point to, period. Um, you've never seen anything like this. Oh, spoilers from here and yeah, the beginning. You yeah, should just yeah, consider sorry. yourself spoiled. You mean you like haven't... Stranger Things stuff? Like Wackadoo... Oh, I think throwing. it's what's funny is Stranger Things. I think took a page from one of the monsters that the presents dog monster. the dog monster because it the mouth like... is the mouth of the demogorgon. It's the four. It's like a flower mouth with teeth. Yeah, it was. I was like, oh my god, that's a demogorgon. Yeah, yeah. Um, that looks really familiar. Which would make total sense for them to do because they just kind of plagiarize and take from the eighties. 
to create their Stranger Things, which I love. I'm not criticizing them. I love that they're like giving shout outs to the past. I love the uh, credits for this film when uh-huh. it starts. Okay. Um, just the way you, you get the spaceship coming in. The score in. is by Ennio Morricone. Yep. But it sounds a lot like John Carpenter. Because yeah, I think he went to Ennio, and I, I think this is actually true, but I mean, I don't know what the exact actual facts are, but he went to him and said, no, no, you need to take these notes out because there was too many notes. So John, John Carpenter had some notes. Yeah, um, but you can also tell there's the Ennio Morricone, especially in like when, um, uh, I can't think of his name, McCready and the doctor go to the Swedish... Uh, base camp. Base camp. Yeah. The Swedish base, base. It's not Swedish. That's the joke that I was supposed to get a. It's Norwegian. Right. It's right, Norwegian. Whatever. And then it takes another time of saying it before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mac- but McCready in his Pecos Bill hat. The music in that scene yeah. is much more, I feel like, Ennio Morricone. Even though I feel like there are some notes that have been withdrawn, I feel like it's more him. Um, but when the they have the spaceship come down and then it like does all of the... Uh, all the people and then the thing just like fucking rips through like it burns, burns through. through but that is a direct throwback to the original they do that in the original yeah and that's here's a thing for me a thing here's the thing on the thing um that original film is seriously in my top 10 of all-time films because i'm a writer and the way that, that the dialogue is written is masterfully done and way ahead of its time. And why do you say that the... Uh, explain that, the dialogue of that film. It overlaps with each other and yet it, almost like a Sondheim melange. You know, when, like, though it's fearful, though it's deep, though it's dark, and everybody's saying different things, and you get the sense through this melange of words, it's the same in the writing. And I wish I had the name of the writer to give you, to say well done um but this this writing in the original is like everyone's talking at once it's almost like a newsroom and yet somebody's like little ding will come through and comment on somebody else's and it's hysterical at times um it's all, that's and that's also about audio uh, sound design as mm-hmm. well it being is. able to make you focus in on a specific thing at a specific what pops time more. exactly yeah. yeah totally there's a i just want to bring this up it's another horror film that I've watched during this October, uh, which is What Lies Beneath. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, I love, it. love it. There's a scene <clears throat> that you're, basically, you just describing that made me think of this scene where uh, Harrison Ford, Michelle Pfeiffer, and then I think it's Xander Berkeley and his wife are at a dinner table having a conversation. And you know how we all go out to dinner and we sit down and we have other people? There's always people having conversations across the across table at the same time. Yeah. And it films it at real time and you're just watching this conversation that is so real mm-hmm. and they're all talking at the exact same time and you're hearing those things from the sound design that's of, a great film of what you need to hear but anyway that's a great film it is it I've really forgotten is. about that yeah. um, but that scene popped out when you described that Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer really great work you know we're not going to read this like a wiki synopsis but I'm watching a scene right now on, on YouTube that I, I did not see this film but there's a, a room filled with a bunch of guys, and this one guy's like, here's some rope. Hey, here's some rope. And then they all like look at each other like, what should we do? And this guy comes in, he's like, hey, is there any more milk? And this other guy's like, no, shut up. And he pulls a gun, he's like, don't drink all the milk. And this other guy went to grab, and he shot the guy in the head, and then this other guy walks in, and he's like, oh my God, all over a bunch of milk? And then he like tries to cut off a guy's finger. 
I don't think you're getting the right. <laughs> you're listening chest. without the sound. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I it's not about the milk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I was thinking in Antarctica that wasn't a lot of choices there, for. I will say this: this is a very testosterone-heavy film. There's yeah, not you a woman. That out. There's not one woman in it. There is a woman in the original. Um, uh, original screenplay. Oh no, the original in, film. In the original yeah, film, yeah, yeah. and they cut her out of this one, so it's all mine. I, I don't I think they were going for when it's almost like a um, fucking sexism is what it is it is sexism I will say this though does it make it feel more real that they're trying to fight for leadership and power it feels like Lord of the Flies to me sure. it feels like there's all the, the these uh, male kind of figures kind of not believing in each other not trusting each other and it makes it more believable because if there's a woman there the woman would be like everybody shut the fuck what, up this is really interesting real quick yeah now that we're talking about this is that i feel like when all of those men are doing that you never get the the truth like like somebody has a, a secret feeling about someone else because of who they are as a person do you know what I mean? Like normally you get somebody like coming out and saying not only do they think that they're the thing, but they're, uh, you know, I never liked you because of this. You never get that. Yeah. Sorry, Stephen's you pouring mean, himself something to drink. You mean like uh, uh, why do you have to? Oh, you mean like an expedited, expedited like backstory of why they? Well, do you know how like you have an argument or something and like. You know, you have this survival situation. It comes out. And it comes out. It just comes out. That doesn't happen. Uh, only once, and that's from Blair, who's played by Wilford Brimley. Yes, Quaker Oats and Diabetes. Oh, you're right. And you're he right. says, watch... I'm sorry, is that his name, Blair? He says, watch yeah. Clark. Watch Clark. Clark is the guy with the dogs. No, no, no. He said, watch Clark because of him thinking that he was the thing. But it wasn't because of who Clark was. Okay, so there's no personal bias. That's what I'm saying. There's no personal there's bias. There's no racism either. And there's yeah. there's two uh, African-American characters, and there is dislike, but it doesn't seem to be racially motivated. It seems to be more personality That's motivated. where they could have cleared up the fact that they cut the woman from the, the old, older movie. Someone could have said something like, oh, yeah, then that's why you didn't bring Linda. Well, I think, <laughs> I think, they, cut, I think they cut the woman because... Spoiler alert, nobody survives this film. No one? Yes, they do. Who? Survives? McCready and... Uh, they are going to die. They're going to die. I don't know. They're going to die. I don't know. Maybe one of them is the thing. There's hey. never been a sequel. They <laughs> die. <laughs> hey, was this a book? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I, I don't know if it was based on a book or not. The original film, I, I don't know. And I, it, I'm having a vague memory, and if you want to in the discourse you know actually give the story if you know but I don't I think John Carpenter was looking for something to do and I and I think it was like well I mean I guess I could I could remake this I don't think he really wanted to remake it and then the guy that came in that was Bill so did you write down the writer's name Bill yeah. we we talked about it did I write it down Bill, Bill Wallace or Bill Bill something anyway I didn't write it down and I think the way that they went about making the film uh, like the way the way in is what Jack Carpenter finally decided like yeah I'll do this because of the way into the to way they did it because you even brought up there's like especially two two or three things 
from the original film where they're almost making a sequel mm-hmm. to that original film. What, the, what, are the, what were those things? Okay, so uh, when they go to the Norwegian base, that's not Swedish, but Norwegian, <laughs> there is the block of ice um, that this thing came out of that is legit the same thing the, from... And the, but there's more people standing around it. In there's the film, video right? footage that's all black and white that is footage of people standing in a large circle and they're using cordite to blow up this circle which is an assumed ufo that's beneath the ice oh no the scene you're talking about in the when mccready and and the doctor go to the norwegian base Mm -hmm. and there's that the thing that they had taken out of the The block yeah the block in the original film aren't there more people standing around that block in my memory of the original film no, there's people standing in the circle of the but UFO. not on the block. No, okay. No, the block is then taken and put into a room, and there's like a electric blanket put on it or something like that to and melt it yeah. and all that. Um, this isn't like uh, the reptilian people sort of idea that is no. down there. Yeah, so basically, the, you know, the very first thing you see before the credits roll is a spaceship basically crashing into Antarctica. Mm-hmm. You don't know what when this happened. It just shows you that this happened. And then the ba- eventually you find out it's been 100,000 yeah. years or whatever. Um, but so the first thing we see, which as you're watching the film and you've never seen it before, is you see this dog. It's almost like aerial wolf hunting. Exactly. This dog. Which happens a lot. Running. Like a, it's a, what kind of dog? I think it's a wolf. Oh, you think it's a or wolf? Or a husky. A husky. That's what I was thinking. Because it would have probably been the the dogs for a sled or something. It's a husky. They are yeah. Norwegian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this helicopter chasing it and them shooting at this fucking dog and throwing grenades. So you're like, why What's are these people happening? Yeah, why are these people trying to kill this dog? Like and if you were to come into this film without knowing anything about it. Like, you you're like, fuck those dudes. Fuck those guys. What yeah. what the hell are they doing? And then the the dog is running to the American camp camp. And it gets there and it like runs and like they're all gathered around because the helicopter's coming in or whatever. And they're like, what's happening? There's a helicopter shooting and. Yeah, and the guy, the Norwegian guy drops the grenade and it blows up the, the one guy and the helicopter. And the other guy's with his gun is running towards these men shooting. And shoots one of the men. And shoots one of the men in the leg. To and which the, the leader. Uh, the colonel or the whatever yeah. breaks the window out with his gun. He's inside and shoots the guy in the head. And shoots the guy in the in the head. Um, and so you're like, what the hell is going on? Why did this dog have to die so so greatly? And then this dog is also if we could nominate animals for Oscars, this fucking dog. It was probably multiple dogs. Sure. Yeah. But the acting that this dog gives is so like especially subdued. in the hallway scenes. Yeah. Like the hallway scenes when he's like looking and he's like searching. There's like one long shot of him coming from one end of the hallway forward. We're saying he, they, she, whatever. They they were uh, walking very undog-like. Very almost like there is something up with this dog. This dog is not a dog. It is another being is living inside this dog. And this dog is very mannered and and carefully walking and looking. And almost to the point you're like, how... Did they get this dog to do this? Yeah, totally. I can't believe you would be saying that 
in front of our two dogs. Well, I mean, these dogs have well, been right, trained. Well, right currently, to... Eddie is just licking his leg and uh, almost, almost about, falling off the couch. Almost to fall off the couch, and Byron is um, just a snoring pillow. Did that dog be- belong to the Norwegian camp? Mm. Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. basically, um, okay. So the dog comes in, and then McCready and. The McCready's doctor. the lead. He's played by Kurt Russell. McCready's not Norwegian. They basically the made the decision. American camp. They make the decision. What? Why do they make the decision to go? To, oh, the doctor says we have to go to the Norwegian camp to see what's going on. Yeah. And so they figure out how to do it. There's a storm coming in in six hours. They're like, yeah, you can make it in the helicopter. McCready is the helicopter pirate pilot played by Kurt Russell. Pirate. <laughs> he looks like a he pirate. Looks like a pirate. His <laughs> bill hat. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And uh, so they fly to the Norwegian camp. And they walk through, and then they see that block of ice, and they see that there was something in the block of ice, right? And then uh, they see all of these deaths. This, and they bring this weird amalgamation of flesh mm-hmm. that is like you're like it kind of looks like a person, but it it isn't. has two heads. Yes, they're two heads. merging into one, and it was burnt. And it was burnt. Yeah. But we'll get to this. It wasn't burnt. Enough. Enough. And so they bring it back to the camp, which, I mean, of course they don't know, but like watching the film and you've seen it a million times, you're like, I don't know if I would have brought that back. I don't think you should. <laughs> I don't know. I, but in this situation, who knows? I mean, maybe. Uh, so they bring it back. And another important thing to note, while they're away, there's a great little short sequence where um, Knowles is playing Stevie Wonder's uh, Superstition. And I love a good, well-used... Uh, Needle drop. Uh, of music, because what the lyric they chose is like, when you believe believe in things that you know, you don't understand, whatever it is. It's just the lyric that pairs with the scene is the dog walking through the corridor. Then we see the dog walking into a room in the shadow of someone on the wall. We don't know who that person is. Brilliantly done. Then we see the shadow turn and see the dog. Then the dog walks in, blackout. We go back to Norwegian camp. So we know something's up with this dog. There was music playing that's like talking about weird things. I just love Nalls. He's like the guy that's trying to steep. He's like, could you turn that down, Nalls? And he like walks over to the boom box and he goes, and he doesn't like touch it. He yeah. doesn't turn it down. He doesn't turn it up. He just leaves it. I yeah. just, I just love that. It's, it's. There's a lot of that beginning stuff. Well, oh, we didn't bring this up. The geography that is shown as the dog is running in mm-hmm. and the helicopter is flying, you get all of the geography of, of the camp. Of the camp, yeah. Which is just amazing because from the, this point on, everything that happens in that camp, you're gonna know exactly where it is. Where it is in com- comparison to something else. We also didn't talk about McCready, Kurt Russell is playing this ancient game called Chess King and loses and pours his scotch, his J&B, into the machine. It sparks and explodes, right. thus ruining it for everyone else. And then we find out they've only been there a week. Yes. You're like, <laughs> you just ruined the chess game for the entire how many months you're going to be there. Yeah, I mean, that's excessive It's really excessive. Um, like, and he, he calls her a cheating bitch, which, come on, Kurt Russell, sexism, but whatever. So this is a thing. The first dead body they find at the Norwegian base has a razor in its hand 
and it's it killed it. Oh my god, that whole scene, like just to see the blood frozen like icicles off yeah. the wrists. So I assume that person killed themselves because they either thought they were infected or I, I don't know. We get no answers at the Norwegian base other than things are fucked up and we have this weird Is this about an infection, a virus? In a way, yeah. It's an alien. It's an alien. Yeah, and yeah. so it needs a host, or we're not sure because the last thing that the alien does, you're like, well, that doesn't really stick with the rules. We'll the get rules, there. But yeah. The dog, though, when they get back from the Norwegian base with this weird dead body that's not dead, um, oh, and the, they basically say, what's this dog doing just like hanging out with everybody? Put it in the dog pen with all the rest of the but dogs. Yeah, but while they're doing that autopsy, this is another thing bringing up we talked about Jaws earlier in the season mm -hmm. is the the look on Wilford Brimley's face the smell it's yeah. not just that it's this disgusting thing which it is it's a beautiful sculpture of disgustingness yeah you get this like visceral this smells and I'm tasting it like Wilford Brimley really sells that whole smell like he's like goes like he moans with the, the stink of it like oh yeah <laughs> like it like you're gonna throw up kind yeah of thing. it's really, really which great. when paired with the visual but I was gonna say I'm sorry I a nice Chianti yeah I was also gonna say with the setup of all of the geography you also get the setup of the way these these guys are like that this is all old hat to them they all know each other they've done this maybe a few times before yeah and like you really get a feeling of life in in antarctica in this science research place mm -hmm. you really get that feeling sure. like this lived in feeling of this is the way that life would be here and then it's just fucking blown apart so you don't really get to live with them with that but it's set up so well do those camps exist yeah yeah totally for yeah, science? because you remember in the pool this summer we were talking to somebody who was like trying to get somebody out. Oh yeah, that's another story. Never mind. But anyway, and Antarctica is no polar bears. Yeah, Arctica, Arctic is polar bears. <laughs> Arctica. Yeah, it's also called Gattaca. <laughs> um, this is another note I have. So we're to the. They take the dog to the dog pen. This is the most upsetting scene in the film for me because of dogs and my love for dogs. And this is the reason Matt probably would, would not have not feel good about watching this film. Yeah, because the dog th that is, of course, infected and is a host to this thing goes into the pen with the other dogs and is then the humans leave and this dog starts to change yeah we watched this as a silent film this part last because night. the dogs are barking so I said and the we, dog that was infected ate the other dogs like it was doesn't a monster eat them, it, it, it assimilates, assimilates them. them so they be it's basically trying to turn into like tentacles go out they get sprayed with things yeah. they're barking and then they come in and then they have to like make it you know put it on fire and then they wind up shooting one dog like you see it in the chest Get shot yeah um and then later on blair goes fucking crazy because he realizes that if we let this out of antarctica in twenty-seven thousand hours all of the world will be infected by the thing yeah so he goes crazy and he kills the remaining dogs and he fucking like killed one with an axe like dude you had a gun yeah like why did you chop this dog's head the, off? The dog violence is really it's, bad. I mean, um, and maybe that's why Blair says watch Clark, not just because 
of him possibly being the thing. Clark's in charge of the dogs. Yeah. Played by the the guy from the It miniseries. Who plays Stan. Who was also in One Day at a Time. But anyway. Um, but also because he's, a, he's afraid of his psychological effect of the dogs being killed. Mm. Maybe that's, you know... You know, two things there at the same time. There's also a uh, UAP discussion about um, one of the characters says, "Oh yeah, we see them all the time. They pr practically own South America. They taught the Incas everything they know." Which is interesting because if you look to Inca art and everything, there is a lot of sun god or UFO kind of uh, well, looking. Really, I mean, if you really want to get into conspiracy theories, there are books that like point out that ancient civilizations on all coasts have similar hieroglyphics about a another this is all ancient aliens on the history channel guys that's not history that's like speculation yeah. right that's not like why is ain't anyway sorry it so, could be called speculation channel there you go there so you blair go. wilford brimley uh does some computing and gets a 75 percent chance that one or more of the people in the camp is infected besides mm. the dog and that that whole scene of the the monster that rob botten creates out of the dogs and everything it's else disgusting. it's disgusting and then it like breaks through with these hands through the ceiling and like climbs out so we're starting to see that the monster can even escape itself of what it is creating because it replicates your cells it's it's trying to make a you Okay, so it, it, it did that thing with the uh, with that roof, so maybe we can say at the end when it goes, you say it's out of character for the, the monster, maybe it's you know doing the same thing but on a, a quicker scale? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I wrote Something is Wrong with Blair at this point, and I think it's stress. Of course, this is before he takes the axe to everything, but we learn why that is. Um, Bennings? Oh, wait, that, that shot of when they said, when McCready says that is explaining what the thing is, mm -hmm. and then he turns to Blair and says, Blair, what do you think? And he says nothing. And and it's this great shot. It's just like zoom on zoom him in and nothing. And you're expecting like some kind of like it quip. goes to black. And he just looks up, and the look that Wilfred Brimley gives like tells you everything you need to know. Of course, I believe what he just said. Bennings, the, the red-headed, bearded guy, we find is in transition. Uh, they burn him. He is one of the things, Which I guess. He, he found... No, no, it wasn't him that Wait, did him. he know he was in transition? No, so the, the body that they brought back from the camp is thawing, and the blood is dripping down, and he's in the room that the blood is dripping down from. Next thing you know, this guy is, like, running out of the camp, and... They catch up to him, and he looks like him, except his hands like are like monster hands with you know thick claws. Like he hasn't finished changing into and a version of himself, and Do they burn him. Do you think that maybe someone could have put a memo up in the cafeteria that said, or on the Facebook page that said, "Do not bring anything back to <laughs> camp that you find." Um. So now uh, Clark and Blair are missing at this point. And then Blair smashes the helicopter and seemingly, like, is he's destroyed the this radio. This is after he's he's run the simulations on the computer and yeah. it says 27,000 27, 27, hours, hours yeah. from now, if the thing gets out, 
all of the world would be infected. So he's killing. He, he killed he the dogs. He destroyed the radio. He destroyed the helicopter and the um, tractor. Whatever. And I it don't is. think he's infected at this point, right? He wouldn't have done all of those things. I don't things. think he is yet. But they put him in the tool shed. That's when he says to watch Clark. Um, um, I'm going to need you to cut out the time when I stuttered there. That's okay. Okay. Um, tool shed. So they want to test everybody's blood, <coughs> and they have samples of everyone's blood, reserves of everyone's blood, in case anyone needs blood, which I thought was uh, interesting. Um, but somebody has removed all the blood. Uh, only they never explain about the key either. There's a key that only two people could have. Uh, neither one of them were infected, so it's interesting. I wonder if the thing can morph into the slot of a key and turn it. Right. Um, at this point, um, there's a ripped up McCready vest that's found, so there's some suspicion about McCready. He gets locked out, and he says nobody think uh, nobody trusts anyone now, and we're all very tired. And then he erases that. Yeah. Um, Blair wants to come back inside, and there's a noose in his... Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And there, it's never discussed. Never discussed. And also, isn't this the time in which uh, the one guy like falls over and is almost dying because Blair had done all of that, and he's like having a heart attack, and then the doctor's like pressing into his chest? We're almost there. Oh, okay. We have Fuchs, who is one of the voices of reason. Um, he's a scientist with the glasses, He's just found Burton dead, and it's never really explained. Um, then McCready says the lights are on in his shack, and they weren't before. So that explains somebody went and got his thing. Um, everybody starts barricading doors, and McCready's outside, and then he breaks back in. Um, we get to this CPR scene. Yeah, the CPR scene is fucking crazy. Like, it goes far at the beginning. And then it just keeps going. When the head fucking is like like a Salvador Dal Dali, the clock melting. Well, first we get the 321 clear. Uh, you know, what are those called? You know, those things they do when you get a heart attack. Anyway. Um, Shocker? Paddles? Shocker? Paddles? Paddles. Anyway, he does it once, nothing. He does it a second time, and the stomach opens up and turns into a jaw and bites the doctor's hands, hands off, off at yeah. the wrist. Mm. Um, and then this creature is torched, but its head... Like... Melts off. off from the neck. From the body. Like, so it's, imagine like it being on a table, like a, a, a body being on a table, like an autopsy table, and then the, the neck kind of like stretches out and then goes over one side of the table and then starts melting down. And however they animated it, Brilliantly. Brilliantly. It looks like it's... It's the best sequence, I think. Yeah, alive Special and just effects. slowly... And then a tongue comes out that's like a whip and grabs a table leg and pulls the head over out of the to way. To hide underneath the desk. And then the head grows legs and two eyes. Like, like one imagines a crab or a spider... Um, and then kind of tries to creep away, to which the funniest line in the entire film, uh, I think it's Windows, says, yep. 
You gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> no, I think it's the, is it the guy with the uh, that smokes weed all the yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that guy. It's isn't that Windows? No, or? Windows is the guy that does the radio stuff. Okay, the curly hair. At any rate, so the guy that does the radio's name is Windows. No, yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. At any rate, do, um, you, you don't know anybody named Windows? <laughs> not anyone that d- does the radio. Oh, I got you. They probably do Windows. Yeah, they yeah. do Windows. At this point, McCready kills Clark in self-defense, um, and we're to the blood test scene. This is your McCready favorite. kills him in, in self-defense because McCready, uh, Clark had grabbed a scalpel mm-hmm. earlier when they all thought McCready was the thing. Yeah. Um, I love the... The, the ice on Kurt Russell's beard because yes, he had been out, yeah. out for too long. And he's so cold for so long. And so pissed off. Mm-hmm. And he's like holding this whole thing of dynamite. Like, you guys fucking back off. I'm going to blow this entire place up mm-hmm. if you do not listen to me. Yeah. Which should make them all go, oh, he's not the thing. Right. Right? Well, everyone who's been the thing is very kind of passive. Everyone who it turns out to be, no one's of strong opinion. Everyone's just kind of like, I may not even know how to say all the things I should be saying. Right. Everyone's kind of very passive who becomes a thing. Um, The blood test scene. Okay. So this scene is, the again, one of the best scenes in film history. I agree. I agree. I mean. Because of the props? No, because you build up to this point. It's the tension. Of where you don't really have no idea watching the film who is the thing. And it could be multiple people. It doesn't have to be just one person. And so the, he devises this plan because they know that fire, quote, kills it. Or harms it. Harms it. it. Yeah. Um, that he's going to heat up this, like, coil. Like a piece of copper wire. Copper wire. And then in, in a Petri dish, they're going to... Take blood from a thumb, which you had a, a comment about that. Yeah, why blood from a thumb? Like, if I was saying, I'll give you some of my blood, I would take it from the top of my hand because it's not the tactile, I'm gripping things. Just a personal note. Like, I'd be like, don't cut my freaking yeah, they're thumb. They're like taking a scalpel and like taking Slicing it across the thumb. the thumb in the middle yeah. and like putting blood into a petri dish. It's kind of thicker. So, because they figure out that the thing isn't just a thing. It is a virus, or, almost an organism that it, it's all one thing. Mm-hmm. So even a part, even blood will react to the fire. Right. So I would say he was spitting his cup. <laughs> so they take all of these, these these blood tests, and then they put the coil inside of it, and they test it, and it just usually just smokes, and there you know nothing happens. And then out of nowhere, it's Palmer. It's Palmer, and it fuck like this hand again. I said this in the beginning. The petri dish is touched by the hot wire, and almost a hand made of blood comes out like of the immediately. Petri dish. Yeah, and then we see the blood land on the floor, and the blood on the floor moves because he drops the petri dish, and, and the blood moves, and that changes everything, everything. about the the movie at this point because. If the independent cells of the thing can live in blood and move independently as blood droplets, they can get into anything or anyone. Yeah. And that that would I just really thought about that last night when we watched it. I'm like, oh, really? Anybody's game if it can move in blood on the floor. Yeah. So, question: Were they trying to make it believable that this thing was 
constantly mutating into a stronger and stronger thing. Um, I, I think it was just trying to survive. It's just moving around. And it's an imitator. So he showed on the computer, Blair, Wilford Brimley, showed that you know, the way that the cell worked is that the thing cell would go and attack the cell of a dog. And assimilate. And then assimilate that cell. This is also, like, was HIV a thing right now in 82? Sure-ish? Maybe early-ish? This is the thing that... <laughs> the thing. Um, that makes me wonder... I don't know, and like, can someone Google it? Can you I will, Google I will, it? I have nothing to do. When, when did HIV, the first whisperings, come about? Because if not, this is very prescient of what the actual cells in HIV do. It's a similar thing. Um, when I was watching that cell thing happen on the computer graphics, and I said, Ryan, look, it's asteroids. <laughs> it's, it's kind of crude 80s. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I listened to the commentary. They, they don't talk about AIDS. They don't talk about AIDS at all. I don't think it's a thing. It's just a weird, prescient thing that happened. Yeah. Um, um, this is in the 80s. The film was seen as an allegory for the AIDS epidemic that scared an entire country. So, yeah, it works through that lens, but that also simplifies the movie and ignores some of its themes. The thing is ultimately about humanity's innate paranoia and fear of our neighbors yes yeah. or uh, the other person yeah that's across from you so when palmer and the blood happens palmer starts to change and this is yeah you're talking about the face the face on palmer is passive unlike smile that's out in theaters right now killing it there's no smiling palmer just has a passive nothing's wrong face as his body is shaking convulsing changing and then I wish I had the character's name, but the... the uh, Gary? Gary. The guy in charge. And also Keith David. Yep, Keith David. Are tied Child. to the same bench and like screaming. Oh my god, and it like fucking like pops up like a seesaw. Almost like there's zero gravity. This, this creature, this thing that was um, Palmer goes to the ceiling... Like it's stuck there. Just one side of a of a couch or a sofa. Then yeah. comes down, sprouts the the Stranger Things head again, and bites off um, Windows' yes. head basically. Yep. But doesn't it just? And then they both get torched. It and eats blown him because it's yeah. like it's being Windows is being like flopped around inside. Which watching it now, I mean, editing wise, it was good for eighty two. But like you can tell, it's a dummy. Mm-hmm. Like which I don't I don't fault. It's still disturbing. It's to still me. it's still disturbing. Just the thought of it happening. Um. But uh, so no one else left is a thing. Everyone gets their blood tested after the torching. Yep. But Blair, who's in the in the tool in shed, the tool shed, um, and also the blood got away. So like. The thing is viable now through Blair. So at this point, what we have is McCready, mm-hmm. Keith David, and Childs, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they just uh, wait. No, there's one other person. No, Nulls, uh No, Keith there's, David. there's there's three people that go outside, and Childs stays. 
the three people that go outside are no um keith david stays right he stays and then the the colonel or the the guy in charge oh gary right 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 gary yeah, yeah. and Nalls and mccready those three go out. go to um blair's prison where we find he has dug an underground trench and was building a ufo well, not a UFO. A he, UAP. No, no, no. He was, he was only using helicopter parts and things that were around. I think he was just trying to get out of Antarctica. So he, then to me, I'm like, oh, this is a, a sentient being has taken over Blair and is trying to replicate something to get out. Right. Yeah. Just trying to create a machine to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we're in the end game here. They blow it up. Blair was building a UAP. <laughs> Keith David's character seemingly shuts off the power. No, he doesn't. But they, they're, they're like, what's going on? The power has been shut off, right? Um, they're blowing everything up. They say it wants to freeze to go hidden again till a rescue party finds it, um, which is really smart when you think about it. Um, then Blair... Shows up and kills Gary. Oh my God! Fingers in the mouth this and is, cheeks. This I think is is next to the paddle scene. Oh. The 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 hand in the face goes into the face. Yeah, into but the with cheek. With no blood. Oh my it's God! Just, it's just it's crazy. Yeah. Like and just seeing and then he and then you see. I think you weren't looking at the screen, but then after that happens, you see this thing, Wolfer Brimley dragging. Gary with just one hand because it's like created this thing over his a face. Bomb. Yeah, oh yeah. my god, it's crazy. Uh, we're in the end game. Um, the end battle. The underground monster. Here's my hot take. I don't like the final thing. It defies the rules prior. And then there's an explosion. The rules prior, and we had a discussion about this. Because um, you originally thought there wasn't a human aspect to the final monster. Now, you corrected me, and I did look back, and there is a human face by the beak or jaw of the top. I just still think of everything we've seen prior, especially like the head spider and the dog monster, everything we've seen prior trumps this final vision. And I wish that wasn't so. So, okay, I hear you, and you're right. However, think of it this way, like in Nope, the way I described the way that the, the UAP the changed. The creature is puffing itself up. Because of, it's in this, it's the last it's defense. defense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so if, if you look at it in that view, it's using its last thing to be like, fuck off, I don't want you here. I'm On a big tower of crazy shit. Right. But <clears throat> that's great. What I don't like are the tentacles in stop motion that take the TMT detonator down. Right, It's right. the first... When we've seen tentacles, like... They were tiny. Amazingly, like, yeah. moving around, and then we see this, like... Oh, that's stop motion. Right, like I, these t two huge tentacles that pull it I down. I would be interested to listen to the commentary and go, uh, were they, like... I think there was something about it, if I remember correctly. Near the end, and they had to, like, finish yeah. it up. Or, I do... Uh, Beginning into the end, because it basically, well, who is left is McCready and Childs. What happened to Nalls? We don't see. We well, we don't see, see, but you figure with what happened to Gary that 
the Wilford Brimley thing did I know, something to me. It bothers most. me. It's just like a, another black. It's very possible disposable character. That he, well, it's also possible that he got got free. That he's not. That he is the thing, and he hasn't died. It's I guess possible. So. I guess so. So you get Childs, which is played by Keith David and Kurt Russell, McCready at the end. And this is the part of the commentary that I really enjoyed listening to and I made you listen to last night. It was supposed to end in a different way. And it was Kurt Russell's idea to end it the way that they ended it. Great idea. Because otherwise you're either getting, like you see a helicopter in the distance coming to save them. Um, They kill each other. You know, but this this leaves it with like, well, is one of them the thing or is one of them not the they thing? They sit around together sharing a bottle and drinking from it, which means if one of them's the thing, they're both the thing. And Kurt says, where were you for this time? And doesn't trust him. And he says, well, if either one of us has surprises for each other, I guess we'll find out soon. Let's just wait a while. And basically what they've said they've burned and blown up the entire base and it's raised the temperature but it's going to come down to be like negative 100 very soon and they're like well we'll we'll just sit around and see what happens and the thing is is that if one of them is the thing is (laughs) the thing is if one of them is the thing and they don't kill each other then one of those things is going to freeze and be and it's all going to start over again yeah. It's all going to start over again. So that's the thing. Um, what are your favorite... How come there hasn't been a sequel? There, there ha- was a there's prequel. A prequel um, which isn't very good. It's um, okay. It's interesting. It's like a um, <clears throat> companion piece. Yeah, it's it's basically... Cause what happened it, at the Norwegian the, base. The Norwegian base prior to it, the dog running towards What's the What's it American called? Is it... It's called The Thing. God, they need to be better about their marketing. Anyway... What are your... Okay, John Carpenter. You asked before, who is John Carpenter? One of my favorite directors. Um, what are your favorite, Ryan? What else has John Carpenter done? Okay, okay. We're, we're talking about this now. Well, let's get the list this up. This is what we're going to do. So, I can tell you right now, as you look it up, the, the movies that John Carpenter has made that mean something to me are Halloween, Halloween 2... The Prince of Darkness, The Fog, uh, The Thing. Uh, so we, we discussed this. We're, we're going to give everybody our top three films directed by John Carpenter. Okay. Directed by. Yep. Which is not a lot, which is very sad. So, uh, Dark Star, which was, I think, a student film. Then Assault on Precinct 13, okay. Halloween... Someone's Watching Me, which was a TV film. Elvis, which was also a TV miniseries with Kurt Russell playing Elvis. The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, They Live, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, Body Bags, which I believe was either HBO or Showtime, In the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Damned, Stephen hates that one. Mm-hmm. Escape from L.A., Vampires, Ghosts of Mars. He did uh, a couple episodes for Masters of Horror. And then the last real film he directed was called The Ward. Yeah. So that's John Carpenter. So I'm sure there's a few in there that everybody's heard of. I saw um, Starman. 
So did you? Yeah, I saw Starman in the theater. Starman was that was. Oh my scene. god! Did you? I think I'm saying I this. I loved it. Out of context, I think that was his hugest hit. That's Be- no Be- Halloween. No, it spawned. Well, that's true. But it's it spawned. <laughs> it didn't spawn a television show. Starman times yeah. five. You yeah. know, films was, six, was, seven, eight. Was merchandise, I'm sure. Yeah, you're right. Halloween, you're right. I'm totally wrong. But Starman maybe the second highest grossing because there was a Starman TV show as well. It wasn't just Starman the movie. There was a Starman TV show, so it had to have had some kind of audience for them to, you Pretty know, sure. green light. The television show. Yeah, not, nothing's bigger right. than Halloween. Not top, you know, top three John Carpenter's films in no particular order. Yep. Number one. Again, it's not my number one. It's just the top three. First one I'm mentioning is Big Trouble in Little China. Wow. I grew up with. That's your number one. <clears throat> well, that's the film that I saw when I was a kid. Is this your ranking or in no particular? In order? no particular okay, order. Okay. Big Trouble in Little China because. It combines the Hong Kong cinema that I love from the 80s. It combines horror. It combines thriller. It combines comedy. It combines adventure of that time period of Indiana Jones kind of thing. So it has everything that I love in a film. Big Trouble in Little China. I just watched it again the other night. Fucking holds up. Hilarious. Kurt Russell is not the lead. He's the sidekick that doesn't really do anything. I mean, he literally gets knocked out in the middle of a fight and does <coughs> nothing. And Why like, is China little? <clears throat> it's little China, like uh, New York or or yeah, uh, like you know, town. LA, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Chinatown. Um, Big Trouble in Little China. They live. Wow. Wow. Love Shocking. they live. They live is one of the best anti-capitalist films it is. of all time. Roddy Roddy Piper does yeah. not get enough credit for his bubblegum line. I won't tell you about it. I'm just going to leave it at that. you got to watch the movie to know. And also his stardom in um, uh, the, the WWF? The frog. Oh my god. Hell Comes to Frogtown. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, he wouldn't have gotten Hell Comes to Frogtown if it wasn't for They Live. I know. So <laughs> Keith David is also in They Live. And they have a fight, a fist fight that lasts forever. Um, fucking great, just amazing fight. Um, yeah. I love that film. And then the last film is not Halloween. It's the thing. The thing is again the movie that I watch over and over again. I've shown more friends of mine the thing than I've shown uh, probably any film that I've ever seen. I love the thing. It's it's right up my alley. Okay. And what, what about you, Steve? The Thing is not in my top three John Carpenter films. I think The Thing's great. Here's the thing. <laughs> my number one is Halloween, always. Right. You can't, um, you can't beat the perfection that that is. My number two is The Fog. Because it's an old-fashioned ghost story, sit around a campfire. Uh, I love everything about the fog because I'm a weather aficionado and a radio aficionado. So everything about the woman having the radio station, the weird weather phenomenon that has zombies in it, I'm I'm your like poster child for who is going to love that film. Also, Jamie Lee Curtis. 
also um, the leading Adrian man. Barbeau. No, Adrian Barbeau, but also uh, which oh god, the history of Adrian With Barbeau John Carpenter, yeah. and John Carpenter versus Deborah Hill is problematic. Um, my third is Prince of Darkness, because Prince of Darkness obeys n- no rules. Okay, so. Prince of Darkness, I had never seen. You told me it was one of your favorite movies of all time. I watched it years ago because of that. It's bonkers. And I was like, oh, it's okay. It's got, of course, a couple of the guys from Big Trouble in Little China. Halloween also. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just watched it again recently, and I was like, it, it came close to Alice my top Cooper. three. It's a really great film. It's got mood. Here's the thing about Prince of Darkness. I can't tell you what it's about. I have watched it so many times, and I'm like, this plot is meandering. It's like this ancient, weird thing that... You don't even care. It's religious. It's weird. Yeah. People are doing computer things. It's from the future. It's... Yeah. Yeah. All I know is, atmospherically, it's a Friday night, get a pizza, and watch a film in the 80s kind of film, and that's what I think I did. Um you yeah eating pizza on a friday night with a horror <laughs> no so that prince of darkness is my third and i will say that it makes little sense i don't even care the atmosphere no it great. makes sense i like it's really great i mean it really i think adds on to just john carpenter as a director itself like even the like specific things about the thing with prince of darkness because the th- the whatever the relic is like infects other people and then you're not sure Sure. who's who like and i feel like the thing was his push for mainstream um it was backed by universal i mean it was like he had a lot of heft behind it it's just sad that will he be doing halloween end he's dead he did the music he's dead oh who john carpenter yeah isn't he he's not dead no he's not no oh i thought he died no he did he's done the music for all of these last three halloween films oh that's why they're still on his imdb yeah i thought he died no no he did all of them. i was thinking of wes craven yes wes craven died yeah yeah that's sad oh god so sorry john um (laughs) thought you were dead i'm glad you're not but can you direct another film yeah no i mean totally and like ghosts of mars like basically killed his career but prior to that he's always been a guy that's gone years between films except for maybe the late 70s and he's the another 80s. george romero in yeah a way. totally i mean and toby hooper yeah um, but yeah at any rate well that's the thing this has been the thing and thank you so much for listening um matthew uh I wish you would have seen this with us, but I think you... No, I, I think I feel like I have. I'm sure you do. <laughs> if you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's kind of like an ER. Rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. Um, check out our Patreon. Um, you can also follow us on social media under Connor and Smith on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So... Uh, there's a few things happening. Uh, we have Long Shot Episode 2 dropping tomorrow at noon. And we also have um, a new Season 7 that's really Season 5 throwback. We're going back to SU soon. So check everything out. And we love you all. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.